devil would like to do is catch us unaware. The devil would like to destroy us, and that's by catching us unaware. But tonight we have heard by faith that we're going to reap, okay? We're going to reap. I said we're going to reap. Amen. Amen. I don't believe that God is through. I do not believe with, with any, uh, I hold back nothing when I say this. I believe that God is just beginning to do what He said He's going to do. The spirit of doubt and unbelief, when it begins to try to make its way back in the church, when we have thrown it out, that just shows that the devil knows that there's somebody he's trying to mess with. There's somebody you're weak in that area. But God has come tonight to build your faith. To build your faith. The Bible says that faith is the evidence of things hoped uh, for. Hold on, let me just go to it. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. We may not see it, but if we believe it, it's going to happen. The children of Israel prayed to be delivered, but they didn't see it at the very moment that they prayed it. But they kept on praying. They kept on pursuing what they wanted. And God gave them what they prayed for. I'm telling you tonight that God God, God, God is going to do what He said He's going to do. Praise God. Praise God. I know there's just a handful of us in this place tonight. I know that we, we, we're, we see uh, by natural eye that there's a slim crowd. But I, like Pastor said tonight, I wish that we could just see in the, in the spiritual realm what God is really doing. Praise God. Praise God. God is still in control. Amen. I know He's in control. I know He's in control. Without a doubt in my mind. When you begin to let doubt come in your mind, that's when your faith begins to go out the window. Why don't you cast doubt out the window and let your faith come back? We, for so long, have been bound by unbelief and opposition that it was just a normal, regular routine for us to come in the house of God and go through the motions. But God has casted out all unbelief and opposition. We will face the devil. We will fight the devil. But I'm telling you that God has come tonight to cast that out. But if you don't believe it's going to happen, it's not going to happen for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. We've got to be aware, folks. We have got to be aware. There's a devil out there. Just because there for a while we didn't feel any uh, tension in the services. Because, uh, just because we felt good and, 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 and we felt the relief for a few services. Doesn't mean the devil wasn't there. He was trying to retaliate. But if, if we keep him guessing, he can't destroy us. Amen. Hallelujah. We have to keep him guessing. Amen. And I, I was thinking as pastor was talking, I was thinking of a portion of scripture that I, I love uh, to read. I go to it often and read it because it keeps me... Uh, focused. It keeps me aware. 
And that was, the scripture is in 1 Peter 5 and 8, and it talks about be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Can I tell you that the devil is not seeking people in the world to devour. He is not seeking people who are bound by sin to devour. But he is seeking people who are hungry for a move of God. And his purpose is to devour you and destroy you. And if we come in the house of God with the attitude of we're going to have a normal service, look at the crowd, then he is beginning to devour us. But if we can let go of our faith and let it soar through the rooftop, there is no telling what God will do for us. The devil is mad. I'm going to say it again. The devil is mad. I want you to know he's mad. And I want you to know he's not scared. But I come to make him scared. I've come tonight to stomp on his head a little bit. I come tonight to cast out Every spirit of hell that has come to come against this place tonight. Let me tell you something. The devil's mad, but you know what? I'm a little bit more mad than the devil is. Since I've been here last Thursday, man, I've been fighting some kind of, I don't know what it is, some weird kind of sickness. I, I, I can't explain it. Just all of a sudden, just have weak spells all of a sudden. And you know why? It's because the devil's mad. And when the devil begins to attack the preacher, we know we're doing something right. But you know what, devil? I'm thankful for what God's doing. I'm thankful for my mess that I'm in. Because when I'm in my mess, God can deliver me out. We heard Sunday night that we need to be thankful. The Bible says in whatsoever state we are in therewith to be content. I'm thankful for where I'm at. I'm thankful for what's going on. Because in my mess, God can turn it around. In my situation, God can work it out. I know I serve a God who's still on time. He's still on time. He's never late. He's never late. But he's on time. He's on time. Praise God. We sing about him being on time. We talk about him being on time. But so many times we don't believe that he's on time. But I'm telling you, we need to believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. 
God is still in control. God is still on the throne. He's not on a shelf somewhere, and he's not dead, but he hears the cries of his people. He has heard your prayer. He has heard your cry, and he is about to answer. He is about to reward. He is about to pour out blessings like we've never seen before, but the devil is trying his very best to destroy you. Praise God. He's doing his best to devour you and destroy you. The Bible warns us a lot in the New Testament of the end time. Talks about it in different parables. I'm telling you, we are drawing nearer or more near, or however you say it uh, properly tonight. We're drawing nearer to the end time. We're drawing close to the coming of God. And if we are not aware, we will be asleep and unprepared when He comes. Praise God. I'm telling you, church, we are living in an hour where it is desperate. It's very, it's crucial that you and I stay awake. It is very crucial that you and I are aware of everything that is going on around us. Because the devil's desire is to catch you unaware. It's to catch you unaware. Praise God. And I don't want to be caught unaware. I want to obey the word of the Lord and it says to be sober. I don't want to be uh, half awake or have to arouse myself and find out the devil has stolen everything from me. I don't want to be, uh, if I can use this in, in this uh, scenario, in, uh, drunken by things of the world and in a daze by things of the world contaminated, intoxicated by things of the world that I am not paying attention to what God is really wanting to do. I'm telling you today, the, the devil is after men of God who are trying to warn and trying to tell folks that there is a problem. That we need to overcome. He's trying his very best to defeat preachers and saints of God who are standing for the truth. We are seeing it by the dozen people and preachers and saints of God uh, throwing in the towel, if you will, and joining the charismatic movements across, across our nations. And it's because we are unaware. Somewhere... We have begun to enjoy the hype instead of enjoying the presence of God. Our services, and you can be seated tonight, our services are uh, so many times bound by hype that we skip out and miss out on the presence of God. Now you say, preacher... Are you saying not to worship? No, I'm telling you that worship is crucial in your life. But I'm telling you, when it just becomes a hype, it becomes a problem. 
Lord, never let us get to the point where all we do is seek for hype. I have learned in just short time of evangelizing that I've had to learn to preach without the hype. I've had to learn to follow after the Holy Ghost and the service be moving and powerful. But they were missing out on what God really wanted to do. It's because they were unaware of the devices of the enemy. When hype becomes your number one priority, then God is nowhere around. Worship's crucial, but when it becomes hype, it becomes a problem. And I'm telling you, we need to be careful and aware of what's going on around us. Praise God. I think of a, I'm thinking of a poor, or have thought and studied today as I was studying and just praying and I seem to I just seem to not be I just fought all day long I seem to feel uneasy and and I just I can't explain the feeling that I have and I've had all day long for this service and I look and I come in the back doors tonight and I said Lord are you really is that really what you want me to preach to this congregation and as the service began to go on and we began to feel the presence of the Lord and I still, and, and Pastor got up and he exhorted and, and what a wonderful job he did and he could have went on ahead and, went pr and preached tonight. And, but I'm telling you that we need to be careful. We need to be careful because there is an adversary. If you're not fighting hell... That means he must be your partner. And I say that very lightly tonight, but I, I say that with all sincerity. If you are not fighting some sort of hell, then he must be your friend. Because we as children of God... Our sole purpose is to war against an enemy. And that enemy is the devil himself and all of his imps and demons and demonic forces. When, as Pastor talks, talked about tonight of how hell has... There's been times where he has prayed and he felt like just... He could not... His mind was clotted by things of just, you know, the devil tor torturing his mind. And I, I tell you, today as I prayed and I sought God's face, I fought that same problem. I know that God wants to do something tonight. I know the service is slow, and I know that things have slowed down, but it's for a reason. It's for a reason. I believe I've heard from the Lord today. And I, and I want to try to help the church tonight. Can I just help us for the next little bit? Can I, just, can I just give you the burden that's on my heart tonight? What I have felt the Lord has dealt with me all day today. I feel like it's a message that needs to be heard in an hour that we live in. In an hour that we live in. Praise God. The Bible talks about in Matthew... Excuse me, let me put my... Puff all glasses on here. In, in Matthew 25, 
in verse 1, talks about, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. And the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out, went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour. Wherein the Son of Man cometh. Tonight, if I can talk to us for the next few moments on this simple subject. Caught unaware. Caught unaware. Can we all just bow our heads right now and ask for God's favor upon this service. Lord, we need you tonight. God, I pray that you would anoint my mind, anoint my mouth, that I may speak what thus saith from heaven. Lord, I pray right now that you would anoint every ear of every hearer in this place. That this word go not in vain, but God, it go in favor. God, I pray right now that you would do this in your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Can the church say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. In this story that I read to you, it talks about ten virgins. They were going to a marriage feast or a marriage to meet the bridegroom. And they were all ready. They were all prepared for the coming of the bridegroom. The Bible says that all ten of them took their lamps. That means that they all, at one time, were prepared. At one time, they all were ready. I tell you that in this story, it goes on to say 
that five of them were wise. Five of them were prepared beyond just the average oil. They were prepared beyond just the average. They wanted to make sure that if the bridegroom tarried a little longer than the oil they had, Brother Merriman, that they would be prepared for the bridegroom. That they themselves would be ready for the coming of the bridegroom. And so the Bible goes on to also say that five of them were foolish. Five of them, uh, I like to, if I could just say this, or if I could, this could have a second title or, 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 or something, I'd like to, to, to tell you this. The power of assumption can be wrong. These five foolish, no doubt in their mind, assumed that they were prepared enough that the bridegroom was going to come and they would be ready. But can I tell you that their assumption was wrong. That in their mind they assumed, I'll be ready when he comes. I'm making preparation now. I've got my lamp. I've got my oil. Everything is ready. So they thought, they assumed that he would come quicker than he came. I'm telling you, in an hour that we live in, we are finding churches who assumed that the Lord would have come already. And we see them backing away from what's they once believed we are seeing churches by churches fall away from the things of God and turn to a charismatic movement because brother Riggin they were caught unaware they were caught in a place where they assumed that everything was alright they assumed that everything was going to be okay and the Lord was going to come back and we'd all be uh, gone to heaven to meet him but the time came where they just quit assuming you come to a place in their life where their preparation or their lamp burn out I'm telling you that their I know I feel this in my spirit, so I know that there's somebody in here that you, you say, preacher, I'm ready. Preacher, if God was to come back now, I'm ready. I know. But can I ask you the question tonight? Are you sure you're ready? Everything looks good on the outside. And I'm telling you, since Tuesday night at, at, at the young minister's class, I have I've been praying some things. And pastor just come in and he just clarified everything I was praying in my life. Because there's, there's been places and areas in my life where I have slacked where I could have done more. I have slacked where I haven't. Just some things that he brought to my attention that I haven't even been doing. There comes a problem when the people of God, 
We're not even conscious enough of what we should be doing. We've heard it preached. We've heard it said. But somewhere, we did it for a while, but they all run out. We did it for a while. It was good. Things were, were pumping and things were going good for a while, but we weren't prepared for it for the long haul. We, we weren't prepared for the, the latter end. That's why the Bible talks about the latter end will be worse than the former end because we're not prepared for the latter end. In an hour that we live in, while revival is going on around us, and people are getting the Holy Ghost, and people are getting delivered, and there's more to come. But the saints of God have to understand there's something that you and I have to do. When revival comes, it's not a time for you and I to slack. It's not a time, and I'm not the pastor, and I'm not, and I'm not just... just hounding you but I'm telling there's something that you and I we have to do we must be like the five wise we must make sure that when the hour comes and the bridegroom steps out that you and I have enough oil in our lamps to go on to the party to go on to the feast. I looked up today and, and I, Brother Jared gave me a book that I've been reading and I've been, uh, some of the messages and, uh, and today I actually looked up, uh, sometimes today was the first time I used it because I just got it, but I looked up and I was looking up this chapter and talked about the wedding feast. And it talked about how when they were, uh, when a young man and all the, and the arrangements were set and a young man asked for the woman's hand that they went to her house to get her. And then, from there, while the brides and, and, and while the, the, the virgins were waiting for the bridegroom to come, they were having to be waiting because there was no telling when he might come. And they had to be ready so that when he came, that they were ready and prepared to go on to the feast. It's the same in the hour that we live in that we come in the house of God. But we must not get this casual attitude. Well, I'll just go in because I assume everything's okay. I assume that everything's going to be alright. I think I'm ready. But are you? Is your lamp, does it have enough oil? That when the bridegroom, when the bridegroom comes, that you will be ready. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you that hell is real. Hell is still the alternative of heaven. The devil would like for us to believe that the Lord is never coming back. He would like for you to believe that we will live here and die out. But I'm telling you, his word says he's coming. The signs of the time. Prophecy is being fulfilled. Jesus Christ is coming. But what the devil would like for you to do is be caught unaware. The devil would like for you to let down on your standards or your guard. Let down on your guard. Let down on some things that you once believed that, were, that you held true to. He'd like for you to let down on them. 
so that you will be caught unaware. So that you and I will spend eternity in, with Him in hell if He catches us unaware. Greater than ever before is there a war raging between forces of darkness and forces of light. There is a war that is raging over the souls of men and women today. And by the thousands, we see people falling away. And it seems like that the enemy would prevail. But can I tell you that I still serve a God who will prevail. It looks bleak. It looks dim. And the future looks like that the bridegroom is not coming. It looks like that things are just going to remain the same. But I'm telling you that it is crucial for you and I to examine ourselves and make sure that there is enough oil in our lamps. That we are ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. You know the five foolish. They had plenty of time to go. Before the bridegroom came. To get oil for their lamps. But they assumed that everything was okay. They assumed that they were ready. But when the bridegroom came. They were left behind. Because that spirit of assumption. The power of assuming. That they were ready. Assuming that they were right. Outweighed the real knowledge of being right. I'm telling you tonight, we need to wake up to the devices of the enemy. We've heard that we will reap if we faint not, but if we do not be, if we're not aware of what the devil is trying to do in our services, if we're not aware as saints of God what the devil is trying to do to us as children of God, we will be caught unaware. I'm telling you that there is a spirit of urgency and an hour that we live in. Uh, I'm telling, I talked to Brother Jared the other day, and I, after uh, it was Wednesday, yesterday, we were sitting at the table, and I was talking to him, and I said, Brother, I said, let me tell you something. If you and I have to do it, if you and I have to get out and canvas this whole neighborhood, I want to reach somebody. I want to reach somebody. I don't want my lamp to be empty when Jesus Christ comes back. I don't want to be known as the saint who sit on the pew and refuse to share the gospel with somebody because I assumed they already knew. I'm telling you that we need to get a spirit of urgency of soul winning on our hearts. I have for so long I have let it go God I'll do it tomorrow God I'll do it tomorrow and I put it off 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 but there's going to come a day when the trumpet's going to sound and if I continue to put it off the Lord's going to look at me and he's going to say why did you tell them why did you reach them I don't want your blood on my hands Somebody hear this, this heart of this preacher tonight. I'm not here to beat anyone up. I'm not here to do anything to discourage you. But I'm here to tell you that people are looking at you and I. And we walk by them every day. And we don't share this gospel because we assume they already know. They say when they see what I look like, they see how I dress, they know what I am. But do they really know who you are? 
I'm telling you that the church has been cowering, cowering in the corner long enough. God is fishing to brink on the portals of heaven and Gabriel is going to blow the trumpet and we're all going to be raptured up out of here. But when I get to heaven, I don't want the Lord to look at me and say, your quiver is empty because you were scared to reach out. Your quiver's not full because you were scared to share this truth with somebody else. I'm telling you, I don't want to be known as somebody who procrastinated every day of his life and said, you know what, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Why not today? Why not today? Why not today? The Bible talks about in the days there comes a day where the men shall work but the night cometh when no man shall work. I'm telling you that we are living in the day. We're living in the daylight but there's coming a night where nobody's going to be able to work and when that night comes who, where are you going to be standing? Where are you going to be standing? I don't want to be known as five foolish every 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 Ex, uh, illustration that the Lord used of the coming of the Lord. It was always two. He always used to, or he always used half. He said, "You'll see one in the field, and one will be there, and one will be left. You'll see two in the uh, laying asleep, and one will be there, and one will be left. You'll see the, you'll be see two at a wine press. One will be there, and one will be left." Well, in this passage of scripture, he talks about ten. Five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. If we were to go by the scripture, half of the church would be saved and the other half would be lost. If we went by the illustrations of Jesus, one, one half of us would be saved and the other half would be lost. You want to know why? Because somewhere half of us, we were caught unaware. Somewhere half of us we said it wasn't worth it. Oh God, please hear what I'm saying to you tonight. There's a war that's waging for your and I soul. I don't want to be caught unaware. I don't want to be caught unaware. I'm telling you something. You say, I don't want to do it right now. I don't want to do it now. I'm too young. My whole life is ahead of me. I've got my whole life ahead of me. I have heard stories of countless people who have sit in the house of God and said, you know what, I have my whole life ahead of me. I think I'll just wait. I think I'll just wait. And it wasn't a matter of time until they were taken in eternity. You don't determine your destiny. Your eternity. You can determine it and, and say, Lord, I, I want to be ready. And God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. But you can't, you can't determine when you will be taken out into eternity. That's why it pays to be ready. You say, but I just don't want to do it right now. I have, a bro I have two brothers. One is 16 and the other is 20 years old. I try to, every, every opportunity I get, I try to tell them that God's going to come back. You need to be ready. You need to be ready. And I had one tell me the other day. I, just, I had just uh, come to Kansas and I was sitting here and he was asking me how I was doing. I said, I I'm loving it. Everything's going well. I said, Jason, I said, let me tell you something. I said, God's coming back. And if you're not ready, you know where you're going. He says, I know, I know. You don't have to preach to me. You don't have to tell me. I was raised in this. I know. I'm not ready. And the fear, the fear every day 
of, of whether or not he is going to wake up. He's not thinking about it because he's caught unaware. He's not thinking about his soul and his eternity because he's so entangled by sin. But there's going to come a day that God's going to call his number or call his name. And it's left up to him to determine whether he'll be ready or not. Why, I have a question to ask, why would you wait for God to send a tragedy to your life for you to finally surrender your life to God? Why do you want God to send a tragedy to your life before you'll finally surrender over to God? And you say, Brother Jones, I don't want that to happen. I don't. But you're telling God you do. I'm not ready, Lord. And His desire is for every one of us to be filled with the Holy Ghost and to be saved. And it takes tragedy for us to be saved. And the thing about it is, when tragedy comes, it's a 50-50 chance whether you're going to survive or not. Why? Why? I have so many questions to ask. If you're here tonight and you say, I don't want to live for God. Well, could you please tell me why? Could you please explain to me what is good about burning forever? What is fun about scratching and biting and pulling hair and gnashing of teeth and all these things? What is fun about that? Please explain to me the fun. I never liked it when my brothers pulled my hair. I never liked it when I was punched. I never liked it when I was kicked. I never liked it when I was bit. And I sure would not like it if, if, the, if the preaching of the word of the Lord was always going over in my mind for eternity. Would you please explain to me what you're going to enjoy out of that? I'm not here to scare you, but I'm here to get your attention. I'm here to get in your face. Because there is a sin, there's a problem in our, in our younger generation. Because we are the future for tomorrow. And the devil would like to destroy you. But that doesn't exempt you, parents. That does not exempt you. Because just as he's trying to steal your kids, he's trying to steal your soul. Mama's daddy, stand up for the truth. I can't stress it enough. Stand up for the truth. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he shall not depart from it. Stand up for what is right. Because if you don't, your baby's blood's on your hands. It's your duty. It's your purpose, parents, to be the example. Jesus Christ was our example. Your parents were your example. 
Now you need to be your kid's example. Be my example. There's kids that are watching me all across uh, Mississippi and in Kansas and in several other places, Louisiana and all the different kind of places. They're watching me. I've had them come to me and just take up with me. And if I let them down, if I say it's okay to do this and it's okay to do that, knowing in my mind that it is wrong, their blood's on my hand. Children, obey your parents. For LinkedIn days and long of life will you have if you obey. But Brother Jones, you don't understand how, how stupid some of the rules they make. You don't understand how stupid some of the, You think they're stupid now. But when you're burning in hell because they try to make rules for you. And you look up and say, Mama, why didn't you tell me? You have no excuse. Reminded of the story of a rich man and Lazarus. The rich man had everything he wanted. And Lazarus had nothing. And he passed by Lazarus every day of his life. And refused to help him. All the money that he had, he could have at least given him something to eat. He could have at least given, given him something to clothe himself with or, or something warm in the cold time. He could have helped him. He, the, the Bible talks about Lazarus having sores. He could have took him to a physician to get some ointment for his sores. But the dogs instead had to come and lick his sores because the rich man passed him every day. And the point I'm trying to get to tonight is the rich man died. And Lazarus died in, the, in this parable that Jesus was telling in Luke chapter 16. The Bible says that the, dead, uh, the uh, rich man woke up and found himself in hell. And Lazarus woke up and found himself in heaven. And Lazarus, the Bible talks about a suffix that was there. And Lazarus couldn't see the rich man. But the rich man could see all the enjoyment of heaven that Lazarus was enjoying. While for eternity he burned in hell. And he parted with Abraham. He said, Abraham... Send him down to dip his finger in some water so that he can quench my thirsty soul. He didn't want a whole pitcher of water. He didn't want a half a bottle of water. He just asked for a drop of water. What's fun about being thirsty and burning in hell for eternity? What's fun about that? Nothing is fun about hell. Nothing is fun about hell. I'm telling you, if you could hear some of the cries from hell tonight, if they could come up from hell like the rich man wanted his cry to come up, like the rich man said, you know what, go back and tell my family. I know there's no hope for me, but go back. And Abraham so, said no, because it would, even a dead man could come back. And they still wouldn't believe. But if the cries from hell could come tonight and could, could talk to you, you know what they'd tell you? They'd say, you know what, young person? Get yourself in church. Live for God to the best of your ability. Parents, young people, children, they tell you to obey your pastor. Do everything he says. Get behind him 100%. Because this place is not worth coming to. 
Somebody listen to me tonight. I fought with God all day about this. I fought hell today about this because hell don't want you hearing that hell is real. There's no hope for you after the eternity. There's no hope for you after you're caught out into eternity. There's no hope. But there's hope for you tonight. There's hope for you tonight. Don't wait until the door's shut in your face. And there's no hope. I'm telling you, don't be caught unaware. Don't let the power of assumption, don't let it take control of your life. Because when you begin to assume things are ready, when you begin to assume things are right, normally you're wrong. Tell you a little story, an incident between my, me and my mother the other day. I was talking to her, uh, texting her back and forth. I'll tell you how assumption gets you in trouble. As we text him back and forth, and I sent her a message, she didn't send me anything back. So I automatically assumed that she was mad. I talked to her last night, and I said, you know, you know, why didn't you text me back on this subject? And she said, I didn't even get your message. And I said, well, I assumed you were mad at me. That's what assumption gets you. Because when you start assuming things, normally you're wrong. So if you're assuming your soul is right, there's some doubt in your mind that your soul is not ready. If you say, preacher, I assume everything's okay, I I'm pretty sure that everything's okay. If you're assuming tonight, you need to find a place to pray. If you're assuming that everything's okay, you need to find a place on an altar. And you say, God, you need to make sure. God, cleanse me. I try to pray like David every day. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit with me. I don't want to be lost. Because you know what? The pleasure of sin is only for a season. You go ahead. You enjoy sin. But guess what? When it's all said and done, the scars. You might make it to heaven. But the scars that you're going to have to bear until, eternity, until heaven are going to sometimes be unbearable. The scars of trying things are going to sometimes be unbearable. Because you're going to think, you're going to wonder, you're going to say, wow, that's so stupid. Why didn't I just listen to what my mom and dad said? Why didn't I just listen to what they had to say? The Lord began to deal with me on this message way before I come to Kansas. And the Lord really began to deal with me today. There's somebody in this place tonight, you need to pay attention. I'm not trying, I'm not here to be mean to you. But I'm here to tell you, your blood's not going to be on my hands. I'm not going to go throughout this revival and skip over what the Lord is dealing with me about tonight. If you're not sure, you need to find a place to pray. If you're not sure, you need to find an altar right now. And you need to say, God, help me make sure. I'm telling you that hell is real. Hell is real. Don't let us be like the rich man. Who everything is, everything's going for us on this life. That we pass by those that are hurting. I'm telling you tonight is urgent. It's urgent that we make sure that we're ready.
What is it going to hurt for us to be like the five wise? No. You know, some things... Are, are, are meant for us to be saved. And there's some things that the preacher and the pastor preaches behind the pulpit and you say, you know, I just don't believe that, you know, I, I just don't believe that's a sin. But you know what? This is my theory. It may not be a sin, but if the pastor's preaching to you and telling you not to, you might better go ahead and do it just to be on the safe side. Because I sure would hate to burn in hell for eternity because I thought to myself that it wasn't a sin. And I ignored the man of God's hearkening. Let me tell you something. The Bible talks about the man of God being a watchman on a wall. You're in the city. You're inside the city gates. And you're protected because the man of God is standing on the wall. And when he says, I think we need to do this. Or he says, I, think we need, I don't think you need to do that. I don't think you need to do this. It's because he sees the future. He sees what's coming. You're inside the city. I'd hate to be inside the city and be lost. I'd hate to be inside the city. In the protecting arms of God. In the protecting shelter of the church. And still die lost. I'm telling you, an hour we live in there, there's people that are sitting under the voices of preachers and they're listening to the preached word of the Lord go forth. And they're so cold in their heart. But they have learned to go through the motions. That when eternity comes, if they don't make things right, they're going to die lost. But everybody thinks they're okay. Everybody sees the outward appearance. They put on a facade. They put on a fake. They say, everything's okay in my life, preacher. It's okay. But in real honesty, they're not being honest. Because they're in turmoil. You better listen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Listen to me tonight. Hell is real. Hell is real. Hell is real. There's a lack of this being preached in our pulpits today. Because I believe some... It doesn't matter what I believe. But I, I'm telling you, it's, being, it's a lack of being, what's being preached in our pulpits. Heaven's real. And heaven's good. But we need to be prepared. We need to prepare people. If they're not ready for heaven, you're not going to be in a happy median somewhere. There's not five different steps, you're gonna, and you're going to be in one of them. There's only two places that you're going to go. It's heaven or hell. It's a heaven or hell issue. It's a life or death situation. It's either eternal life and heaven, Our eternal death in hell. But in this death, you're going to feel everything, every inch of pain, everything that goes on, every burning flame, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it. That's how real it is. Let me just tell you something. If you feel like, if you feel like, you know, I, I just, I'll, I'll wait. I want you tonight to go home. And I want you to go outside and I want you to start a fire and I want you to jump in that fire. Preacher, you're crazy. 
Let me tell you something. The burning sensation that you feel from that fire is going to be way worse when you wake up in eternity and it's not heaven. I'm telling you tonight, it's crucial to be aware. It's crucial to be awake. It's crucial to know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm ready. God, you called me today. I'm ready. That you know that you're sure, that you're certain that when the bridegroom comes, that your lamps are full. And if they're empty, you have enough oil to put in them. Don't be caught with empty lamps. Because there's going to come a day where your brother's not going to be able to give you his oil. Because he's going to need it. And when you're gone, when that messenger comes to tell you the bridegroom's on his way, the messenger being the preacher, when he tells you the bridegroom's coming, and, you, and, you, and then you say, oh, I better get ready. But while you're gone, you may miss out. While you're gone preparing, while you're going out to buy your oil, you may miss out. It pays to be ready. After the Bible talks about the door being shut. In, the, in those days, when the wedding feast went on, when the door was shut, those that went in with the bridegroom were allowed to come in. But after the door was shut, it was strict orders that the servant at the door was to let no one in. That's the way it's going to be. When God comes back and the door of heaven is shut, there's no going in. There's no going in afterward. There's no, uh, if, you, if you escape the tribulation or if you escape this, escape, there's none of that. It's either heaven or hell. It's either welcome in into the joy of the Lord, my faithful servant, or it's depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. I want to be the one where he says, welcome. Welcome. I don't want to hear the words depart. I felt his presence on the earth. I felt his presence while we were here. I feel his presence right now. But if he says depart, I'll never feel his presence again. I don't want to be outside of his presence. Can we close our eyes? Bow our heads and tonight, I don't want anybody looking. I don't want anybody looking. But tonight, if you are in this place and you are uncertain, if you're uncertain about where you're going to spend eternity, I want you to raise your hand right now. If you're uncertain that the Lord was to come back tonight and you, you just don't know where your eternity is going to be, I want you to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. God sees you. I'm telling you tonight, you need to make sure that you're ready. God, you see every person under the sound of my voice. I have delivered the word that you have given me today. And God, I pray that you would stir the heart of the individual.
who is not ready. God, I don't want anyone to die lost. And I know you don't, Lord. God, I pray right now that you would stir them. That you would draw them while there's still hope. God, pull them back into the shelter. Draw them back to the place where they first received you. God. Saints of God, can we just pray right now? Can we just touch the throne of heaven? Can we just get a hold of God right now? Can we get God's attention? God, help us. Oh, come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Why don't you make it right tonight? Why don't you make things right? Why don't you take that grudge you've been holding against your brother? Why don't you let it go tonight? Why don't you let some of the things that, that you've been letting harbor in your heart and your mind, why don't you let it go tonight? The wages of sin are dead. Oh, God, help us. Help us. I don't want to assume that everything's okay. I want to know that everything's all right. I don't want to know. I want to know. I want to know that when he calls me home, that I'm ready. Oh, God, help us. Help us. Young lady, you need to let God take you back to the place where you first found Him. You need to let God take you back to the place where you first found Him. Don't harbor in all the hurt. Don't harbor in all the pain. Why don't you give it to God? You don't understand why. But God understands. Satan would like to take your pain and your hurt and magnify it and tell you that it's okay. You just go ahead and enjoy sin for a season. But I think you need to go ahead and surrender to God tonight. God will take your pain and hurt. And when that pain comes around, that hurt comes around, you can throw it on the shoulders of Jesus. Come on, why don't you come? Why don't you let the Lord touch you tonight? Come on, why don't you come and let the Lord touch you tonight? It's a heaven or hell issue. Come on now. Let God touch you tonight. 
Let God do it for you tonight. Oh, God. This is not some game we play. This is serious. This is serious. Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah. Young lady, young sir, sin only lasts for a while. Oh, he got Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Why don't we all just examine ourselves tonight? Why don't we all just examine ourselves tonight? Oh, Jesus. Examine me, oh God. Yes, Lord. I want to know I'm ready. I want to know I'm ready. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh God, oh God, oh 